Welcome to the Everybody Hates Church podcast. At the intersection of church and culture is all of us. With endless posts, opinions, and information, this podcast is the safe space to decode it all while exploring why everybody hates church. Welcome to this episode of Everybody Hates Church. I'm so excited because this episode is live. We are right here at the Heights, and we have a great conversation uh, for you today. Today is uh, is intellectuals hate church. Everybody hates church, and we want to talk about those of us who are smart. And sometimes those of us who are smart get in the way. Uh, Let our intellect get in the way of our spirituality. Uh, And so, so I'm super excited about this conversation. and we are going to jump right in. I got my producer, yeah, yeah, Dion, yeah. is with me. Hello. Shout out to Dion. Thanks, thanks for hanging out with us, bro. Good I'm to just, see you, man. I'm just really impressed that you guys have been here the whole time, and you still just as lively, just as much energy. Oh, yeah. It must have been the food. So that, you know, for everybody that didn't come, that's what y'all get, because there was food here. So that's probably what kept them energetic, so. Well, if, if, if you feed them, then they, they, they can't say, I got to go home for dinner. Like, like, it's, it's, ah, it's, yeah. that's smart. That's, it was all worked in. Was all Unless they didn't like the food. Now, that's. Yes. But they like the food, though, and they I like the word, and they like the podcast, so <laughs> we're glad that they're here. I'm super excited, so especially because we have Ms. Lisa Fields. Lisa Fields is in the episode. building. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited yeah. about this conversation. It, it, it's funny. I, I stumbled across her by accident because I've been seeing you three for, like, a while. Sure. But I never knew who ran it, who started it, and all those things. So uh-huh. watch a whole bunch of videos. But it was this one, and I was like, yo, I've been saying that for 10 years. It was about um, Jesus, you know, being white or the white the white. Jesus, right? mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a big thing. Yeah. Um, and because this is called intellectual Tate church, I think that's such a stupid thing for intellectuals <laughs> to still think. I feel like to be in 2023, for you still to believe that. That, that uh, Jesus is white that, and, 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 and Christianity yeah, is the white yeah, man's religion. Exactly. I think that's interesting. But just for a, a small piece of commentary before we bring her up here to talk. Like when people bring that to you, because I'm sure you hear that a lot as a pastor. Yeah. How do you navigate that um, with white people and black people? Well, I think the the most important thing to remember is that um, is it depends on what version of Christianity you're talking about, because there are many versions of Christianity, and there is a whitewashed, Americanized sure. version of Christianity, which many of us have been exposed to, and so we don't think about the fact that many of our church fathers, at the roots of our faith are in Northern Africa, Mm -hmm. Um, that the man who carried Jesus's cross was a guy named Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene is Northern Africa, it's Libya. Um, And so so the the gospel went went all over Northern Africa before it ever got to Europe. And so we could just have to remember that. And and, and we did not, uh, black people did not adopt the the religion of our slave masters. Christianity was strong in the motherland well before the colonizers ever set foot on African soil. And so it's just important to remember. And and surely Jesus has been painted white for the last 1600 years. It's (laughs) it's just hard for me to imagine a blonde haired, blue eyed baby hiding in (laughs) Egypt for two years from the threat of King Herod, you know? And so, so you you said it, it it doesn't make sense to say, you know, if if you are intellectual at all, it does, it just simply, the, the the evidence does not add up to yeah. the to an idea 
that Christianity, global Christianity, yeah. I think that's important. Global Christianity is a white man's religion. Yeah. It can't be. It yeah. simply can't be. It's uh, <laughs> uh, 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 white people colonized Christianity just like they did everything else. Right. I shouldn't have said that on a whole. <laughs> uh oh, it's already out there for public consumption. <laughs> this is live. Everybody heard it. <laughs> so why? Why do you? So in in a in a short phrase, because I don't want you to give away too much, because you will. Why do you think intellectuals hate church? Oh, because there are so many reasons why. I, I think I think we 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 have given intellectuals good reason to hate church mm -hmm. in many ways. You know, I think the the ongoing theme of the podcast is if 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 somebody hates church, they probably have gotten two or three good reasons why <laughs> right. they should. Yeah. You know, um, and you know particularly in the African-American church experience, you know, so much has been put on experiences, so much has been put on emotions, so, yeah. so much has been put on the move of the Spirit, and yeah. I believe in the move of the Spirit. If you come to our church any Sunday, you'll see a move of the Spirit that um, that is as much spiritual and sometimes even emotional, because right. when your spirit pours out, it does become emotional. Um, but um, what what we also need to do is is put knowledge, put a knowledge base to go along yeah. with that. Dr. E.K. Bailey, <laughs> Dr. E.K. Bailey, before he passed, he's a pastor out of Dallas and, and a legendary preacher. Um, he, he said um, at, at our church, we go up the wall. But when we come down, we know why we went up. And that's <laughs> and, and I, I thought that was so it, it, it was so good and it's so encouraging for those of us who for whom uh, spirituality is in our bones. Yeah. It's in our bones, um, but it should also be in our mind. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we should always be able to give a defense for the faith that we hold. That's yeah. that's when we make our faith intellectual yeah. and, and our inability to do that or maybe not even an inability our unwillingness to do that for a long time maybe has caused a lot of very smart people intellectuals yeah. to turn the other direction yeah. because i can, if i can't engage for an intellectual if i can't engage my intellect yeah. then then i'm gone yeah, i will go somewhere where i can yeah for sure so i know you and uh, lisa are going to get into that more so you guys like the segment, right? Sounds good or a good word? Oh, All okay. Right. So, we got, <laughs> so we got one, one real quick. One okay. quick, I promise. Okay. Um, and you guys are going to like this one because some of you probably used it. <laughs> Hate the sin, love the sinner. Ooh. That is a good <laughs> word. That's a good word. That's a good. I, I, think, I think it is. I, I think um, the problem is we don't do that well. The, the problem is not in the philosophy or in the idea. The problem is in our execution. Mm. Um, because we're not good <laughs> at detaching the sin from the sinner long enough hmm. to hate one and love the other. Wow. And, and we don't know what to lead with. Because if, which one do I start with? Do I, do, I hate the, do I start with hating the sin? Or do I start with loving the sinner? Because how I start is going to determine how I'm received. Wow, wow. And so if I approach you and the first thing you hear is how much I hate your sin, it's going to be hard for you to hear how much I love you. <laughs> But if I approach you and the first thing you hear is how much I love you, and then I model that love for you, 
then you will give me access to the areas of your life by which you can, I can model God's both love and God's justice. But the the problem is, I I always like to say this, that um, the difference between judgment and accountability is relationship. That's good. Yeah. If I feel judged, it's only because you've approached me before you have a real relationship with me. Yeah. But if I feel loved, it's because you've approached me with love before you approached me with your judgment. And so I think it's important for us in our execution of this truth because it's it's what God has done. Mm -hmm. God loves us and simultaneously hates our sin. Yeah. He, God has hated sin from the Genesis, <laughs> yeah. from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, and consistent throughout the Bible. In Genesis, he, he judged Adam and Eve's sin yeah. and then provided a covering for yeah. them. Loved the, loved the sinner, yeah. hated the sin. In, in Revelation, Death, hell, and sin gets tossed into a lake of fire. That's, that sounds like hate to me, <laughs> right? But he didn't do that until he provided a means by which our sin could be covered, forgiven, mm. and separated from us so that we could spend eternity with him absent from the power and penalty of sin. Yeah. And then yeah. he exacts final judgment upon death, hell, yeah, and the grave. And so, and so we serve a God who, the, 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 best, the best example of this is the cross, mm. where simultaneously God is loving the world yeah. and exacting harsh, terrible, eternal punishment yeah. for sin. Yeah. So much so that for the first time in eternity, God the Son says Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Yeah. He, the, God the Son, for the first time in eternity, feels separation from God the Father. Yeah. And he feels that separation because God, could, God the Father could not lay eyes on sin. Mm-hmm. And so he has to turn his back on God the Son and give to him the penalty that we deserve. That's, that's love and hate yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right, I got 43 more. No, I'm kidding. Let's bring up our special <laughs> guest, Lisa Fields. Yo, let's give it up for Lisa Fields. Hey, everybody. I'm here at Life and Legacy Counselors with my estate attorney, Miss Amy Griffin. Amy, could you tell us why it's so important for us to think generationally about our wealth? Yes, it's about strategically planning. As the word says, that we are supposed to plan for our children's children. Mm -hmm. So as we are able to build, we're able to create greatness and opportunity for our children and our community to grow. Amy is my estate attorney. She has helped me and my family think generationally about not just how much money we make now, but how we make sure that we protect our money and pass our money on to generations. Amy, how can we get in contact with you? Easily go to our website at yourestateplanningattorney.com or call us at 855-574-8481. Thank you so much for being a part of the Everybody Hates Church podcast family. And you reach out to Amy today. Can we give it up for Lisa Fields one more time? So for those of you who do not know, Lisa Fields is a 
preacher, she's a teacher, she is a CEO, and she leads an organization called the Jude 3 Project, which is a, um, an organization, I, I would, the best I know how to call it is an apologetics uh, organization that, that champions the faith and, and defends the faith in the public square. Did I describe it properly? How about you describe it for us? G3 is a Christian apologetics organization helping black Christians specifically know what they believe and why, and we also do a lot of work in engaging culture. Beautiful. Yeah. Why, how are we on sound? Are we good? We need to lean it? Okay, hold on, let me do this. I'm just gonna do that right there, and then, get, and then pull, there we go. Okay. Um, does she need to say that again? Let's say that again, because okay. you said it so good. I want to make sure we got it. <laughs> G3 is a Christian apologetics organization dedicated to helping black Christians specifically know what they believe and why, and we also in, engage skeptics and culture. That's good. Why, why did you feel such a pull specifically for black Christians to understand what we believe and why? Yeah, so I started off as an investment finance major at the University of North Florida, and I never wanted to do this. So in, in my mind. It's something about calling that just yeah, pulls us in, right? I was, I'm a PK, so um, I have great parents, but I just always wanted to leave church when it was over. Mm -hmm. Because not for any deep reason, it's just like we had to be there so long after church. <laughs> like, you just, it's so long after church. <laughs> and so I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to uh, go to a mega church. <laughs> and I'm gonna be able to leave church after it was over. I'm just be a stockbroker. I don't want to be in ministry. That's not for me. I just took a New Testament course because I started listening to Christian hip hop. Mm -hmm. uh, Flame Rewind CD. Mm, um, classic, classic. Yeah. And um, he started talking about these terms I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, let me go enroll in a New Testament class. It'll be like Sunday school. Nobody told me <laughs> that New Testament at a university is not like Sunday school. No, it is not. So first day of class, my professor, our textbook was Bart Ehrman, mm. Intro to New Testament. Mm -hmm. That should have been, I didn't know anything about Bart Ehrman at the time. So I didn't know that that should have been the warning sign that this right. was not going to be the right. school. Right. Uh, but first day of class, my professor said, I'm going to change everything you thought you knew about Jesus. Wow. And so that, I started really struggling with my faith. That was my first, I, I say, faith crisis where I struggled with, like, should I believe this Bible? Is it true? Is what my parents taught me a lie? And so wrestling with that, my dad introduced me to apologetics. Um, and that helped me. But the more I got immersed in apologetics, the more I just saw white men, with the exception of Ravi. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I wanted to create an organization that bridged the gap so my community could see people that look like them doing this work. That's good. That's good. And let me just say how blessed I am, how blessed our church is by the work that you're doing. And for somebody who didn't want to do it, you're sure enough doing it exceptionally <laughs> well. Um, and, and, um, and the resources that you all have produced, the conference um, has been so life-giving and so encouraging. Um, and so I, I want to talk about that a little bit, even as you have been on college campuses, as you have engaged people who are, um, who are deconstructing, the, the videos that, that Jude 3 Project. If you haven't, make sure you go on Instagram, follow the Jude 3 Project, um, because you, you'll find some things that will challenge you and encourage you um, in, in, your, in your faith journey. Um, there, there have been some subjects that you have 
kind of jumped in with both feet through the Jude 3 project. Um, and, and there are many that, that we talk about at, at, the, at the conference at Courageous, but, but a couple that you've just kind of leaned all the way in on. One, you, you've done a documentary on, and one you're working on a documentary on. Um, can, can, you, can you talk about, so, so the first one is, is what we were talking about earlier in the episode, is, is Christianity a white man's religion? And, and tell us about the documentary. Tell us why you did it. Tell us what's, uh, what, what's coming of it. Yeah, so the documentary Unspoken really tries to address the question, is Christianity a white man's religion? And the reason we did it is because we saw people being converted, especially young people, to Hebrew Israelism, mm -hmm. uh, other, other uh, black cults, uh, because of the things they would see on Facebook and YouTube. And it's like, when I asked them, like, where did you get this information from? They're going to see you a Facebook clip. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, a clip from Facebook, sure. a clip from YouTube, YouTube. Mm -hmm. or a meme. Yeah they're not going to necessarily see your book. Right. And so if they're being converted through media, <laughs> then we need to reach them with the ways That's in which so good. they in, are engaging information. That's so good. So for me, it was like, okay, you can write a book, but are they reading books? <laughs> so let's reach them the way they're being reached. And mm -hmm. that came through documentary. That yeah. was the idea was to curate a documentary yeah. to reach them the way they're being reached. Yes. Where's, where can we find, for those who, who, who don't know, where, where yeah, can we find it's available on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Please go to Amazon Prime. It will bless you. It will, it will give you the tools to be able to talk through um, with people who will ask you those same questions and, you know, and, and, and people who at the barbershop will hit you with it. Jesus didn't die for me. My ancestors did. Um, and, you know, it, it, which, again, is it's easy to fall prey to um, when, when you just... When, when you just don't know and when, when, the, when the faith has not been well defended. Wh wh why, why is that so, wh why, is, why is this your, your passion at this point? And, and, and how, do you, how do you reconcile, how do you wrestle with, man, I didn't want to do this, but I'm, I can't not do it. Is a, is a fire shut up in my bones? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think for me, when I see people friends in particular that I've known uh, for years walk away from the faith. And then when I see young people walk away from the faith, and it, I mean, there are some good reasons that to question God and to question the faith. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think Christianity being the white man's religion is the best. <laughs> right. And when I see it's like, man, you could pick a better objection than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, my heart, you know, my soul cries out. Um, and I think the passion for me comes when I hear somebody say, I, get, I got plugged into Jude 3 and it helped save Amen. me. Amen. And so I get this imagery of Jude when you're pulling them from the fire. Sure. And I feel like God has given me the gift to help pull people back oh, from the so fire. Oh, that's and, so good. And um, that's, that's what keeps me motivated. Yeah. So how did you, when, when, when you were having your faith crisis in college, so what, what, what pulled you from the fire of, you know, everything being questioned? And, 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 and talk to me real quick also, because here, here, my, my biggest concern is not college students on college campuses having their faith challenged. My struggle is seminaries. You know, I, I, I got all kinds of 
good and bad stories in my, in, during my time at my particular seminary. I went to, in my opinion, one of the best seminaries in the country. I went to Dallas Theological Seminary. I went there because Tony Evans went there, and, <laughs> and, and I wanted to preach like Tony Evans. And I, and I have all, all, kinds of, all kinds of wonderful and difficult stories um, of, uh, from that experience. One thing that Dallas Seminary did, they, and they told us they was going to do this on day one, they said, we're going to teach you to say Bible. Mm-hmm. And when you leave here, you're going to know the Bible. And they made good on that promise. What I'm, what I'm struggling with is there are so many seminaries that we're sending our young preachers to that are coming away from seminary with a lower view of Scripture, with a lower view of Jesus, with a... Uh, with a lower view of the, um, the, ex- the uh, I'll say the exclusivity of, the, of this penal substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Um, talk to me about what you're experiencing, particularly as you, as you host the Courageous Conversations. I, I know you're in that space and, 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 you, and you masterfully, in my opinion, wrestle in between those worlds. Yes. So I think the challenge with seminary taking your faith, you know, the elders used to say seminary is cemetery. Uh-huh. Um, and the reason they said that is because people went off and they came back without a faith. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for people to take your faith when you didn't really know your faith to begin Ooh. with. And I think a lot of people in black church culture get called to preach at a young age and they become gifted and they are allowed to preach and allowed to exercise their gift. Mm -hmm. However, they didn't really know what they believed. Wow. And so they went off to school without a foundation. Mm -hmm. And so the first time they were introduced to rigor was through a professor. Mm. And if you had somebody with a PhD, it's very intimidating when you're sitting there and your pastor doesn't have seminary education, yeah. and he wasn't able to equip you, and then you go off to seminary and you see a PhD, and the PhD to, to you means authoritative sure. on everything. Yeah. And so you're intimidated into believing everything that they say is true. Yeah. So one of the things that helped me is because I understand that experience. My parents taught me the Bible, mm-hmm. but they didn't teach me seminary lingo. Right. So when I got to that New Testament class, I was super intimidated because I was like, she has a PhD in New Testament. My dad doesn't have a PhD in New Testament. So she must, she must know so more than my dad. she must know. Yeah. The good thing is my dad may have not had a PhD in New Testament, but he knew about apologetics and he knew where to send me good. to help wrestle. That's so good. then the balance for me was saying, okay, all scholarship is not created equal. They have a PhD in New Testament, but there's other people who have a PhD in New Testament that think differently. Sure, sure. And that brought the balance. Yeah. I think people don't have the balance because they don't have the right people in their lives to show them there are other scholars that think differently. And that's, for me, why Courageous is so important, to show, yes, your favorite scholar has a PhD in this, and they believe that, but there's also another black scholar who has a PhD and understands the same Bible, understands the uh, languages, 
and can speak to something different. And you don't have to throw away the Bible. Absolutely. To seem like you're smart. Absolutely. And that that's so important. So so when I when I went to college, um, I I went to a, a, a school that was more liberal and and then I went to seminary and the and, and I went to seminary during a time where there was this um, resistance against the black church mm-hmm. by black people. Um, and and we would say stuff like, we didn't get trained in the church and we didn't get this education in the church. And I'm like, what church did y'all go to? I may not, and as you said, I may not have known the, I may not have known the word Trinitarianism, but we sang hymn number one every third Sunday, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think sometimes what happened is, is, at least in my experience, is we didn't, give, we didn't give ourselves enough credit for what we did get in church. Um, of course, every, and, and then what happened is many of us, we retreated to the other end of the spectrum where we expected every church experience to be a seminary class. And that's what true discipleship is, is when you dig in and, and, you, and you learn in these, these theological terms. And the reality is so many of us went to seminary and got real smart and, and, and could not withstand the rigors of life. And how important is it that we're able to do both, that we understand the scripture and that we can apply it to our lives, Mm -hmm. that we're so smart that we know the word, Mm -hmm. but so dumb that we can't apply it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And and, and it's so important for us to to do both. And, And I feel like I got so much of that in church and we didn't, for a while, I didn't give my home church enough credit for for, for the way that they trained us and, and, and given us Sunday school. And, and what, what, does, what does that look like for you today as somebody who, like, as you, you love church. Um, you, you, you have a, uh, your ministry is both in church and outside of church. How, how, do, how, does, how does that translate to the local church for you? Yeah, so I think the local church is very vital. Mm-hmm. I, I say, yes, you could be a Christian apart from the church, but you can't grow as a Christian mm, apart from the church. That's real. That you need the church to grow. Mm-hmm. And you can't love God and hate the church mm. because your reflection of your love for God is your love for his people. A lot of people are married in this room, right? Right. How, yeah, you are married. Mm-hmm. How close are you going to be with someone Happily. who hates your wife? Not very. I will bust them right in their face. You're not gonna be, yeah. You're not gonna be close. <laughs> and how can we expect to? Be and then close pray to, for them that yeah. the Lord raise them up. Yeah. How can we expect to be close to God if we hate His bride? That's good. That's good. It's going to mess up the relationship yeah. and the intimacy we can have with Him yeah. because it's impossible to love someone. And, and hate their spouse and think you're going to be getting close relationship with them. And so I think that's what the local church is very important and very vital. It's so important. And, and it's important. I feel like 
so a term that's getting tossed around a lot these days is deconstructing. People are deconstructing uh, their faith. And, and I often wonder what people mean by that when they say I'm deconstructing, because it can mean so many different things. Um, I think it's so important though, Lisa, to make sure that, it, I, I don't have a problem with people deconstructing. I have problem with people deconstructing in an unsafe environment. Mm -hmm. If you have to ask questions about your faith, do so in a, in a safe place. I, I, I feel like you have to go into an incubator. If you're gonna, if you're gonna pull everything apart, you, you have to go into a place where, where, where your well-being is protected. So many of us deconstruct on our own. Mm -hmm. Are you finding a lot of that, that, that people are deconstructing? In a, in a, they're deconstructing their church experience, but at the same time not trusting the church to guide them through that deconstruction. Yeah. One of my mentors, Bishop Von McLaughlin, mm -hmm. Jacksonville, Florida, he said to me when I wanted to go to seminary and I was thinking about going online or in person. He said, you need to go online mm -hmm. because theology is best shaped in community. Mm. He said, you're going to be learning all this stuff, be learning in isolation, and you might come up with something weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> you need to be in community. Sure. And the reason we need community is because we can't see ourselves. We are not designed to see myself. I cannot see myself right now. Mm -hmm. I can only see you, mm -hmm. but you can see me. So mm -hmm. you can tell me if there's something on my shirt that I'm unaware of. The same in, this, in the spiritual world. We cannot see ourselves. We cannot see when we are off. Right. We right. need other people. We need right. the community to help us yeah. construct um, a better version of who we are supposed to be. And... So it's hard to deconstruct in isolation, and also it's hard to deconstruct with a bitter heart. Mm. So I always say when bitterness takes root in your heart, truth gets distorted in your mind. When bitterness takes root in your heart, truth gets distorted in your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to deconstruct and reconstruct with a bitter heart. Yeah. Because you can't see things clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges. Then you move to overcorrection. Mm -hmm. And when you overcorrect, you throw everything away that mm -hmm. was connected. Yeah. But when you're able to, to reconstruct from a healed place, you're able to go back and appreciate some of the spaces that even caused you hurt because yeah. you can see the bigger picture. Just because hurt happened there, that doesn't mean that was everything that happened that, there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, that's why, you know, we, again, everybody hates church, but this is why the church is so important. Mm -hmm. The church is so important because the church becomes uh, the, the, um, the, the, the ministry that my wife was involved in um, in, in college was called Plumb Line. Mm -hmm. The, the plumb line is the, is the instrument that builders use to make sure that the, that the lines are even across the building. Um, your, your, your local body of believers is the only place that is responsible for being a plumb line for you. Mm -hmm. To be able to, okay, let's measure that, but let's measure it against the plumb line to make sure that it's safe. And a lot of times we... As you said, we deconstruct in isolation, which means I can't see myself, which means, which means I don't know if I'm measuring up, if I'm, if I'm even with the plumb line. I 
we deconstruct in our, um, in, in with bitterness, but we also, we deconstruct in academic spaces. Mm -hmm. And nobody in that academic space cares for my soul. Mm -hmm. And so in the academic space, they care for my mind. They want me to have all the information. They want to, to teach me. They want to dump and, and, and make sure that I see everything and know everything, but they will not equip me to process it all. And, and as you said, there's, there's a lot of stuff that many of us probably do need to deconstruct because with, with the faith journey, a lot of things got, um, got put into the, into the mix that was cultural rather than biblical, that was, um, that was churchy <laughs> rather than Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we get so frustrated with church that um, uh, sometimes we get so, they're trying to send me messages and I'm trying to figure out what, what, which message I'm supposed to be getting at the time. <laughs> um, and so, um, and so we, get, we, we, we get so frustrated with the things that we experience in church, and I experience this church hurt, and so I need to pull away from the church hurt. But in order to pull away from the church hurt, I gotta pull away from the church. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, no, the, the, the place that God designed for us to heal from church hurt is church. Is church. Yeah. Is church. If, 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 I, if, if I went to a hospital, and the doctor mistreated me or did malpractice, I can't then say, I'm gonna go home and do surgery on myself. That would be as dangerous, that would be worse. Or if, you know, maybe that's too dramatic. If I go to the barber shop and the barber gives me a terrible shape up, I can't then say, that's see, that's why I don't go to no barber shops. Like, no, I just need to find me a better barber than that one. <laughs> uh, but, but me going home and doing my own shape up could end up pretty tragic. And so if I wouldn't do that with a hospital, if I wouldn't do that with a barber, if I don't do that at Target when they make me mad at the Target, why do we do that with church? And, and I, I don't know, it, it feels like church is the only place where, because we've been met with little grace, then we return little grace. Yeah, I think it's because the expectation is higher. Sure. And so the, the expectation is that you won't hurt me. Mm. And I think people come to church with deep trauma. Mm -hmm. So I always think of like when people come and have deep father wounds, and they want the pastor to replace their dad, mm. right? So the pastor could do something minor, mm -hmm. but because it's unhealed trauma, their emotional landmine, uh, right? Yeah. So it's it's not just that you did something to me; it's my daddy did something to me. Right. And you did what you did reminded me yeah. of that. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people have a high expectation because they want perfection. Mm. Um, when perfection doesn't exist, and I think a better way is to prepare people for the messiness of church before yeah. they enter. Ooh. I hate, I hate flying. I fly mm -hmm. all the time. I, it gives me anxiety. <laughs> I just got to the point where I could go to sleep on the flight mm -hmm. because I always want to know how to stay, how it stays up in the air. Mm -hmm. One of the worst things about flying is turbulence, mm -hmm. but I love pilots 
who tell me that we're about to go through turbulence. Mm. For some reason, Southwest pilots don't like to tell you <laughs> that you're about to go through turbulence. But we're they be God, telling you, Lisa, come on. They be but, telling you sometimes. But where God dwells in Delta. <laughs> God dwells in Delta. <laughs> the Delta pilot always lets me know that there's going to be turbulence. Mm -hmm. And even though I hate the turbulence, I brace for it. And I know it's coming, and that gives me a better response to it. That's good. The same way in church. If we tell people the turbulence is coming, mm. they'll be better prepared for it. Mm. And I think we let people enter a space thinking that perfection is possible mm. when perfection doesn't exist. Mm. And the same messiness and craziness that's in your family is going to be in this church. Yeah. Or the same messiness and craziness that was in your last church. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just different yeah. names, but it's the same. The and same I think we stuff. just need to prepare people when they enter in. That needs to be a part of our your enrollment program and new members class. This is gonna be messy, and people are not messy necessarily because they're mean. You could have got sister so and so, sister Chantel. I hope that's not nobody's name in here. Was was mean to you or didn't speak when she when she saw you at church. But Sister Chantel has four kids that harassed her all the way to church in the minivan. Mm. And then one child didn't eat mm -hmm. uh, like they were supposed to. When they walked into church, they said, can they get some McDonald's? They're so hungry. <laughs> so she's frustrated. And when sure. she sees you, she doesn't have the best attitude, not because she's mean, but just because she had a horrible That's real. chain of events that happened on her way to church. That's real. And That's so I real. think if we prepare people with that kind of mindset, they will be less likely to be so easily offended That's real. in the space. Now, that's not an excuse for you, Sister Shantae, to, to treat people like you ain't got no sense because your kids is bad. <laughs> um, so um, question for you, and, and I think it would be a good conversation for us to have because you – you have been on in academic spaces. You have created academic spaces. What are the best ways to engage intellectuals? Mm -hmm. what's, what's the end for, for, for someone who, who approaches you or approaches any situation from an intellectual space? So when it comes to intellectuals, I, I always first pray for wisdom. Because usually people's initial objection is not their real objection. Mm. So case in point, one of the guys in campus ministry that I was a part of, he was walking away from the faith for intellectual reasons. Mm -hmm. So he said, he asked a mutual friend, hey, connect me with Lisa. I want to meet with her because I have some questions. Mm -hmm. We went, had lunch. We sat there for four hours. Mm -hmm. For four hours, I listened to him tell me, his, all his intellectual reasons. Mm -hmm. We started with science. I mean, y'all probably been in these conversations. It's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Started with science. Why would a loving God send people to hell? Mm -hmm. Four hours in, I just felt like the spirit was saying, just listen to him. Don't argue with him. Mm -hmm. Four hours in, you know what his real objection to faith was? He wanted to have sex with his girlfriend and feel <laughs> guilty for it. And I thought to myself, if I had to argue with him on every point, I would have never got to the would have never gotten issue. to the real issue. And oftentimes we're arguing with people about the fruit of the issue and not the root of the issue. Wow. And it takes listening to people, to them talking themselves into the real issue. Mm -hmm. I remember arguing with my professor in undergrad that had left the faith. 
he was, I think he said he was roommates with John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. So this is, he was in white evangelicalism. Sure. It left the faith. And so we're arguing back and forth. I'm thinking I'm winning, because at <laughs> this point I had got my apologetics, so I had the courage to argue with my professor. Uh. <laughs> and then he just burst out, why did God let my daughter be born with Down syndrome? Mm. That stuff, intellectually, wasn't his real issue. It's the wall that we build up to protect that which is vulnerable mm. behind it. Mm. And I think we, we do so much with our intellect, don't we? We do so much with our intellect when really it is, our intellect becomes the, the protection. Mm -hmm. It's the protective cover that we've built because something really hurts. Mm -hmm. Something really hurts deep down. And, I, and because I can't apply intellect to that pain, I'll take three steps back and apply intellect to everything else mm -hmm. in order to protect myself from the pain. And so I need to argue everything else down. I need to apply my intellect. And, and isn't that fair? Isn't that human? I, I, find, I find it so human that we hurt. Mm -hmm. And we all respond to hurt in different, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And an intellectual will know no other way but to respond to pain by applying their, their rich intellect to it. Yeah. Um, Courageous Conversations is a conference that you do annually. Last two years, you've done it right here in the DMV. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's a conference where we have conversations around very hot topics. Um, and you have done something that has drawn the ire of, of people on both sides of the, uh, on, all, on all sides of the theological pendulum, where you just let them fight. <laughs> where you, you will purposely invite people who disagree on this topic and let them talk. And you won't try to sway, or or you, you you'll send the, the the moderators into the conversations like you did this year with me, um, <laughs> and and give us instruction. Hey, don't try to sway the conversation. Just keep the conversation going. Tell me why that's your approach, and and tell me what cost you've paid for that. Yeah. So. That's my approach because that's what real conversations look like. When you're in a conversation with your cousin over dinner, there's nobody going to at the end say you were you right were, and they mm, were wrong. There's no referee. And we need to model how to have those kinds of conversations mm. because that's what people are really having to deal with. Yeah. And so if there's no moderator in real life, why are we acting like us giving people a model that they can't even follow will work. And so my job is to help people to be able to critically engage because I'm thinking about the everyday person. I, before I went to seminary, I worked in corporate America. Mm -hmm. I worked in banking, then I worked for Merrill Lynch. Mm -hmm. So I know that you have to be strategic when you have these conversations. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is people in the church and church leadership and ministry are so immersed in that culture, in that world, 
they think their world is real life. Hmm. Hmm. But Lisa Fields, if you're going to call yourself an apologetics organization, how could you be so comfortable with people leaving confused? That's a great question. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm no, playing no, devil's that's advocate. A, that's so, the question so, I get. I mean, you're yeah, in my I know email you inbox. Um, <laughs> no, we provide resources for yes. our stances. We provide curriculum. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with living in the tension. Mm. And if you're going to be in occupying different spaces, you have to be okay with living in the tension. That's good. And if you know what you believe, hearing another view will only strengthen your belief. It shouldn't uh, cause you to abort it. Mm -hmm. If you abort it just by hearing one counter argument, you didn't believe it to begin with. Wow. And people don't live in a vacuum. We have Google. Right. So you're acting like if you Google the Trinity, things will come up just in your position of favor. Mm-hmm. People have access to the internet. You can't hide. You can't like, oh, we believe this. Let me guard you from any other view. For me, it's to bring you into a position where you have countering sides so you won't be in a New Testament class like me and hear Bart Ehrman and think he's the only PhD on and, this subject. And, and this is the first time you've ever heard a mm -hmm. counter argument to, your, to, to whatever your faith might be. Yes. If, if, and I, I think fairly, first of all, amen. Um, I think, I think, and, and <laughs> what I would see, you better than me, because what I would say is, well, if you want to have a courageous conversation conference, then you do a courageous conversation conference and do it the way you want to do it. That's what I would do. But that's, that's why God didn't call me to it. He called you to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but Fairly, it's, okay, well, what about the babe in Christ? And, and I, I, one thing I appreciate, because someone asked me the question, and, I, and, and, and that was my answer to them. I said, yeah, if you just go to the conference, that's a fair argument. If you follow what Jude 3 does holistically, what you'll find is that there are resources that make clear what the, the, the stance of the organization is. And so we'll, we'll, we'll shut it down with this. What, what, are, what, what do you have in the cooker now to uh, be beyond the, the conference? What do you have in the cooker to, to give us more resources to help to defend our faith well? Yeah, we're working on a new, uh, we're in the very early stages of a new documentary mm -hmm. um, on the authority of why we trust the Bible from a black perspective. Mm. And um, just some other multimedia. We'll be doing another season of Why I Don't Go mm -hmm. in Seattle. And mm -hmm. our goal is to do one in every major city in the U.S. Um, and we'll have other seasons of other video events um, Good. coming up. Thank you for doing that documentary, because that was, the, moder that was the, the topic you had me moderating at the last Courageous Conversations. And I, I, I was mad at you. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, no, it, but, but it's such an important conversation, again, because, man, for me as a leader, for me as a teacher, for me as a preacher and pastor, I ain't got nothing if I ain't got the Bible. Mm -hmm. And if I have to believe in the authority of Scripture, me personally, I have to believe in the authority of Scripture. I have to believe that the Scripture is reliable, and here's why. There's one thing that I know is not reliable. Me. 
And so if I don't have the reliability of scripture, then I only can fall back on the reliability of me. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not reliable. I know I get stuff wrong. I know my inclinations find me in the wrong space more often than they find me in the right space. I need the plumb line. And for me, the plumb line that Jesus left to us is his word. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when I, when I stand up here on Sundays to preach, my, my church knows, look, don't come up in here and you ain't got your Bible because you're going to get sick of me telling you to look at your Bible mm-hmm. because that's all I got. All I got is the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me scared. And again, you, that's why God called you to this because I, oh man, to, to, to be in the rooms that you get to be in, it makes me scared for the next generation. that will go to church and have to find out whether or not their pastor actually believes the Bible that they preach on Sundays. That terrifies me. That terrifies me where, where I'm not sure. And, and again, I, I, don't, I don't have shade for it. <laughs> Look, I believe I can learn from everybody but man, it, it makes me afraid because that, that, at least I don't think, was ever a problem I ever had. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had the problem. And I'm talking like I'm an old guy, but in my day, <laughs> I don't think it was ever a problem I, that I had to go to a church and, and, and wonder does this does does, does the, the the man or woman who's standing up in front of me do they hold the scripture in higher regard than they do other written works mm-hmm. you know what 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 do we believe what do we mean when we say that all scripture is inspired by god mm-hmm. and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and training in righteousness what do we mean when we say that Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important and so thank you for the work that you do thank you for, for what you are working on thank you for defending our faith and defending our scriptures thank you for providing space for us to have tough conversations but also providing resources for us to find the answers to the questions that come up in those tough conversations. Thank you for doing this, even though you could be making a whole lot more money doing investment banking. Um, and, um, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for, thank you for your time. Can we give it up for Lisa Fields? Don't go nowhere yet. Make sure that you follow Lisa Fields on, uh, on all social media platforms. Make sure that you also follow the Jude3 Project, uh, Jude3Project.org, um, and look forward to seeing you in our next episode of Everybody Hates Church. If you enjoyed yourself, please click the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode, and make sure that you follow us on Instagram. I'm Pastor Bobby Manning. I'm at Dr. B Manning on all social media. And at Everybody Hates Church for the podcast. We'll see you next time.